your heart. Amen. Amen. He can overlook a lot of things, and I thank God for his grace that we sang about. Our Bible that we, that we so dearly love, it is not just a history book of, of man's redemptive history. It's not just a book of encouragement. It's not just a book of wisdom. Although it is all those things. Don't get me wrong. It's not just a book of rules, as, as one man used to always tell me. He'd say that to try to jab at me, amen. It's not just a library of honoring the God of Abraham. Although it's all those things, but it's all those things and more. It's the very word of God. It's, it's perfect. It's, it's pre- preserved. It's inspired. It's infallible. If you believe in the God of the Bible, then you have to, you have to, have to believe in the perfect word of God. Because if you don't, then things just don't line up. There's already error in, in, in the, the uh, theology and the doctrine. Amen. Jesus said, sanctify them through that truth. Thy word is truth. And if you're a child of God this morning, you ought to have a desire for the truth. I, I, I don't make it a, a, a practice of uh, uh, judging whether people are saved, but if somebody habitually and continually has no desire for the word of God, I just tell you, I will question your salvation. I'm just, I'm just saying. You say, well, who are you to judge? I am nobody. I'm just observing the fruit. Amen. First Peter 2, 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. So, if so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The little kid song we used to sing in junior church, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. These biblical principles are really simple. The, the, the problem comes when we don't want to follow them, and, and we're, we're guilty of that. <laughs> Amen. In one way or another, on some level, we all need to be growing more than we are. I'll lead the charge in admitting that. Amen. We can learn with this word of God, we can learn about the, the birth of this earth way in the past. And, 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 and by the way, it was made for mankind. And we can learn about how to live in the earth in the present. And by the way, it's maintained for mankind. And we can also read about what's going to happen to the earth in the future which is really destroyed because of mankind. And Paul literally wrote a description of what the world will look like right before God destroys it with fire. So let's read about it this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. We're probably all already there. Amen. I love it. I love that. Amen. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now, if there's last days, that means that there will be a last day. You can't have last days without a last day. Look at verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, check. Covetous, check. Boasters, check. Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. We see that all over the place. Truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, 
You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, there's a lot of people that would rather sit and watch TV this morning. Amen. Uh, Verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Paul's saying don't don't have fellowship with people that are backslidden. Don't have fellowship with the world. Don't have fellowship with somebody that does not desire the sincere milk of the word. We read that and we we say that sounds like, like, it sounds like it was written for today. I mean, every little line on there, it sounds like, wow, he, he was looking in the future and saying this. But, but really, is, is, we say young Timothy, he's probably a full adult by now. But as Pastor Timothy is reading this, he's probably thinking, you know, I know some people that are this. And I know some people that are with, without natural affection. I know some people that are this. And, and he's probably thinking, man, we're in the last days. I can see this right now. But can you, can you imagine if he was here today? Looking, look, looking at the world that we're living in. See, what we don't, what we forget. I mean, we forget. We, we're calloused. We're calloused to the sin that we see. We're calloused to our sin, right? Imagine two thousand years ago. I, there's still sin there, but it's so much more abounds today. There's so much more, in my opinion, comes off the page as more direct and we're we're, we're more uh, uh, high and lifted up than we've ever been in our sin. Amen. What does that all mean? That means that Christ could come at any moment. Brother Bob, uh, it's an honor that you're here this morning. It would be an honor if you'd open this message in a word of prayer, sir. Christ he come at any moment. You guys are a bunch of easy people to preach to. I'm so thankful for it. I, lo- I love our church family. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1. You're probably already there. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1 says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. What events being described here? The rapture, look at verse 2, that ye be soon not shaken in mind, nor be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letters as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. You read throughout scripture, you see the day of Christ, the day of the Lord, um, they, they, they really go hand in hand. And you say, well, how could that be when so often it says the day of the Lord is talking about the, the, the day of the destruction of the earth. It's, it's the last day. It's, it, it's, it's a day of horror for, for the lost. It's a day of uh, uh, destruction. I mean, the descriptions are just massive. And we're just touching on it today. But, but you also read in reference to the day of Christ, and it sounds like a wonderful thing. 
You say, well, that, and the, the world would say, well, the, look, look, the contradictions in the Bible. It's not a contradiction at all. It's not a contradiction at all. Because for some, it's going to be a day of horror. It's going to be awful. But we're not going to be there. We're not, so, so from, our, from the, 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 the child of God's perspective, we're already, man, we're thankful for the day of Christ because we're already going to be safe. We're going to be sound. It's going to be, uh, thank God for that. So we'll get that right out of the way. I've only got two points this morning. Number one, the final signs. The final signs. Look at verse 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, now keep in mind, now some people t- often... And, and, and I, I promise you, I try very hard not to do this. Passionately, I do. To take, not take verses out of context. Because I know we're not perfect. We're not the Pope. Amen. <laughs> I say that in jest. <laughs> but, but, but man can so mess up things by taking one verse and another verse here. Right? So let's just really clarify. When he says, for that day shall not come, what day is he talking about? The day of the lord the day of christ right that's what he's talking about so he says let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition keep your place in second thessalonians we'll be there in a moment turn to john 17 12 who's the son of perdition Jesus referred to the same person when he was in the garden. Jesus himself said, John 17, 12, he said, While I was with them in the world, I kept them uh, in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Just for a moment, what's perdition mean? It means damnation, everlasting punishment. And Judas and the Antichrist are the only ones in the Bible who were referred to as the son of Perdition. Just really quickly referring to Judas. Judas was not saved. Judas went to hell. He, he, he is not saved. He did not accept Jesus Christ into his heart. You say, but he was a disciple. Well, he was with the disciples. And he witnessed many miracles. He sang with Jesus. He sang with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. He was at the Last Supper, amen. He was at many suppers, I'm sure. But he was not saved. But he sure went through the motions. You don't have to turn there, but Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. He said, He went on to say, Many will say unto me in that day, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and thy name done many uh, wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work in iniquity. But Jesus went to church. If there was a denomination, he was like, that, was, that would have been it. I mean, that, like, he was with Jesus. But he never accepted them. That, that, if anything, that ought to be a wake-up call to every Christian, let alone every pastor. Like, whoa, just because he's in the right place at the right time, saying the right things, maybe wearing the right things. I'll even say this. I'll even say this. 
he wasn't even part of any wrong doctrine. Think about that. He's right with Jesus. But he wasn't, he wasn't saved. He was not what we would call a Christian. So Jesus called Judas the son of perdition another time. Look at this. Jesus turned to Peter and called him Satan. I want to bring this out just really quick before I move on. Matthew 16, 23. Matthew 16, 23. We're all there. It says, but he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. We know that Peter was not Satan. He, he, he wasn't Satan. But Jesus was referring to the spirit of Satan that was within Peter through the rebellion that was coming out of his mouth at that time. People have no idea that they're being used of Satan so often. And even a child of God can be used of Satan by the words that come out of their mouth. Often it happens. Peter was saved. He was born again. There's no doubt. Turn to John 8, 44. Jesus, he, he's speaking to a group of Jews. He, he calls them all sons of Satan. Look, look at this. John 8, 44. Jesus said, ye are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. There, there are doctrines that look to that verse and believe that, fall, that that's proof that fallen angels mated with women. And that there is literally a race of superhumans out there. But that is not what Christ is saying in that verse. They were normal flesh and blood born into the sin-sick flesh. Amen. He makes it clear later on. I'm trying to not stay here too long, but Christ made it so clear. You're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. There is no between. There's just no between. When Jesus called Judas the devil, he wasn't saying that Judas was a fallen cherub or, or some byproduct of an angel and woman that came together in marriage. God was calling out the source of sin that was in him. And on a side note, in this particular case of Judas at the supper table, Judas was literally filled with Satan for at least a moment. We could speculate on how long, but he was literally filled with Satan. You say, well, wait a minute, how could that be? Because he was not saved. If you have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, there's not going to be no Satan, no uh, demon, devil, Amen, come into you because we are filled with the Holy Ghost. Judas was not. The same spirit of grave damnation that the Antichrist will bring in the last days is the same spirit of grave, huh? grave sin, amen, that Judas caused and destined himself to 2,000 years ago. Turn to, back to our text, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. It says that the Antichrist will not be, will not be revealed until there's first a, what? Falling away. Look at, look at the verse, it says, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come, what day? The day of Christ, the day of the Lord. It shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that, the, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of, perdi the son of perdition. 
I believe it's safe to say that I don't believe in all of history that we've seen a falling away like we've seen in recent years. And you say, well, this year wasn't so bad because this year was a lot like last year and the year before. I'm talking like last 50 years, last 100 years. There's been a great falling away. This church house used to be packed out 30 and 40 years ago. Packed out. And every year people come less to. Why? Because it's less and less important to come to the house of God. Less and less important. Amen. And some might say, well, the, the Antichrist hasn't been revealed yet. We don't know that. I don't think the Antichrist is going to come out and say, here I am with an Antichrist label and a cape. No. Revealed doesn't mean announced. Right? Right? He might be out in the world right now. We don't know who he is. We know he's there, but we don't know that he's the Antichrist. We put... Presuppositions, amen. I had a just a quick side note, and I'll move on. Um, I heard somebody preach the other day. I can't remember who it was. Mm, I can't remember who it was. They said something that just uh, resonated with me because I'm, I'm I, I preach against presuppositions all the time, right? We want like our job is to let the scripture speak for itself, right? But there are times when we ought to have a presupposition, and then I got my ear listening. I'm like, okay. Get my walls up. Get ready. Because oftentimes you hear preachers say things that just, I, you know, it's not biblical, right? And he was saying there ought to be a presupposition when we come to the word of God that it is truth. Yeah. We ought to presuppose uh, that the God of the Bible is the same God of Abraham. And Jesus Christ is our sa- I mean, there's some presuppositions that are made. And I thought, oh, you know what? That's right. Amen. And that, that stuck with me a little bit. Amen. That was free. That's not even part of nothing. Amen. Except for Tony. He's got to pay for it. Amen. Verse 4, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. Who opposeth and exalteth himself, talking about Antichrist, above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, uh, showing himself that he is God. Man, it just sounds like the, all the I wills of Satan. I will be this. I will be this. I, it just sounds like Satan. Amen. Verse 5. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. I highlighted this in my notes. I have been told expressly that the idea of teaching this, uh, the preaching the same message or teaching the same lesson is wrong. That's not biblical. To the contrary. And I feel very strongly in this. Jesus repeated himself over and over. Paul repeated himself. He's saying it right here. Remember you now when I was with you? I t- remember when I was with you? I told you these things. Remember? I'm reminding you again. Does the word of God fade away at all? Does the message get any less good? Uh, is, is, is the living bread ever stale? No. Never. If I preach John 3.16, is it any less powerful today than it is next week? No. Should a pastor or a preacher study all the time? And preach new things out of the word? Yes. Yes. But let's not say it's wrong to go back and reteach something. Because let's be honest. Y'all need it. And I really need it. Amen. Amen. Let's keep reading. Uh, verse 6. And now you know 
that withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. And, and that word threw me off. I had to sit and look at it. And, and, and if, if I'm struggling with the wording, you know, I'll look at the definition. Withholdeth literally means withholding and waiting on. And he's saying, now you know that, uh, now you know what withholdeth. He's basically, now you know what is being waited on, that he might be revealed in his time. What, what, what might be withheld? A great falling away first. Took me like 10 minutes to understand that as I was reading and soaking it in. That, that's what he's saying. Now you know what might be withheld. Now you know there, there's going to become a great falling away first. So don't be discouraged when we, when we spend. If we, if we detailed it and if we spent hours on our business meetings, I feel like an hour and a half is long enough or whatever we do. I think it's about an hour and a half at the most. Uh, although this last business meeting was really smooth, um, if we itemized it, we, we spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and probably into the thousands paying for tracks and gift bags to, to put tracks in and flyers and banners and everything that we put into. Uh, I think we bought another tent. Maybe I was given another. I can't remember. But like, like all these things, we put a lot of money into this. That, that isn't necessarily a, a scene, but, but, but what I'm saying is don't be discouraged when we put all this time and effort into giving the gospel out and people don't necessarily are getting saved and people may not be coming to church. Don't necessarily be discouraged. Can I tell you that just possibly we could be encouraged a little bit, that maybe we're in the last times, that maybe it's not going to be like this forever, but maybe, maybe the last day, the day of Christ, the day where we're going to be with him, we get a new body, and I don't know, the greatest thing that ever happened to all mankind, we get to enjoy sooner than later. Yeah, I know it can be discouraging sometimes, but we just got to change our perspective, amen. Look at this, verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity... Doth already work. Only he who now letteth uh, uh, will let until he be taken out of the way. I was dwelling on this. And I know this is a little more teachy than preachy, and that's fine. But I was dwelling on the mystery of iniquity. The mystery of iniquity. The mystery of, and I start looking into this. And before I even started looking up other verses, mystery of this or mystery of that, mystery of iniquity, I thought, well, just because it's a mystery doesn't mean we just go, well, mystery of iniquity, don't even study it. It's just so deep theological, we just, only the greatest minds of earth could ever understand and attain to what mystery of iniquity is. That's just fancy words to, 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 to suppress our guilt for not studying. Studying is weariness of the flesh, but it doesn't take much to get a little deeper. There's all kinds of mysteries in the Bible that um, <laughs> women are a mystery, Brother Tony. <laughs> Amen. We're, we ain't never going to figure that out, Brother Jeff. It's just, that's long gone. Amen. Paul talked about the mystery of the church in, in Ephesians. Uh, chapter 5, there's like 9 or 10 verses. He's just talking about um, uh, relating marriage to the church and Christ is head of the church is, is, is a husband is head of the wife and and it's not fresh in my mind. I don't want to say it wrong. But, like, he, he spends the whole second half of that, uh, Ephesians 5, I believe, talking about marriage in the church. And at the very end of it, he says, uh, uh, and this is a mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and his church. 
So just because it's a mystery, does that mean we know nothing about it? No, 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 no. No, there's things that we don't understand. Like, 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 like well, there's just so many things. I could, stay, I could write a book about things I don't understand. But, but 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, I've got to move on. We see the mystery of godliness. I'll read it. You don't have to turn there. It says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And, 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 and the lazy reader, and I'm so often a lazy reader, I've spent more years being a lazy reader than a less lazy reader. Huh? But the lazy reader is going to say, mystery of godliness. Oh, it's mystical. We can't understand it. But there's so much we know about godliness. I mean, just, I mean, just for example, look at the rest of the verse. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Colon, look at this. Continuation. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. All of a sudden, we're getting a, a lot of information about the mystery of godliness. It's not such a mystery. Uh, this was kind of cool. Ben's teaching this morning in Sunday school. 1 Timothy 3.9 mentions the mystery of faith. I, I totally missed that when I was studying. The mystery of faith. There's a lot we know about faith. There's a lot we know about faith. Amen. It's like saying the mystery of God. Well, yeah, we don't understand a lot about God, but there's a lot to understand. Amen. Number one. Oh, in the mystery of iniquity, right? We, uh, that, by the way, that began for mankind in the Garden of Eden. Uh, the first time the mystery of iniquity, I, I would say, was ever mentioned is uh, uh, Satan's fall. Amen. Uh, but for mankind, that was, that was back in the Garden. And, amen. But God gave us everything that we need to know. Amen. Number one, the final signs. Number two, and I'll move quickly. Number one, the final sign is number two, them that perish. This is far more important than point number one. You, you know, what was it, Matthew 7, 21? Many sh shall say to me, Lord, Lord, in that day. Many shall say to me, have we not prophesied in thy name, done many wonderful works in thy name? Right? And God's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. There's going to be a whole lot of people <clears throat> that... that that spent all their spent a lot of time looking for the signs, studying prophecy, doing good works, getting wrapped up in this thing, and understanding what the Bible says about so many things, but they're on their way to a burning hell. That's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. A lot of people are going to be claimed to be a Christian that were never Christians, like Judas. Verse eight. And then, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Verse 8 here is not referring specifically to the rapture, but the second coming of Christ when he comes with all of his saints in a final battle, destroy the Antichrist and all who are with the Antichrist, which would be everyone on the earth at that time. That's a deeper, different message. Look at verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, and for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should 
believe a lie. Who is the context of verse 11? Them that perish. So, so then if, who is God sending a strong delusion to? Them that perish. Heard Christians use that verse to say, oh, there's going to be a strong delusion. No, no. To them that perish. The rapture done happen. Amen. Why did God send them a strong delusion? Because they received not the love of the truth. Look at verse 12. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure and unrighteousness. That's some harsh language that is coming from the word of God. The truth sounds harsh. Amen. When is God going to send the lost world a strong delusion? It will be after the rapture. And can I tell you this? As we turn to Matthew 27, 3, it will be our last scripture of the morning. A strong delusion will be pretty easy if your faith is based upon emotionalism or if your faith is based upon traditionalism or whatever some man says somewhere. Amen. If your faith is based on good morals or good works, it will be easier, much easier to send you a strong delusion. I listened to the testimonies of some people that claimed to be a Christian, and they said, I'm talking an hour and a half testimonies, each of them. I'm almost done with the second one. How they've deconstructed their faith is how they're labeling it. And they're going through all the reasons that they're not calling themselves a Christian anymore. And I'm interested to hear why somebody would say that. In every thing on the list is emotionalism. That's literally where I got the list from. Traditionalism, good morals, good works, all the way down the line. Having a form of godliness like we read earlier, but denying the power thereof. A lot of people think that because they're religious they're going to heaven, but that is literally a false gospel. You don't have to turn there, but First John 2.18 says, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. This is key. I highlighted this in, in my notes. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, they were not all of us. There's a lot of Judases in the churches. There's a lot of Judases that say, I'm a, I'm a child of God, or I'm, I've, been, I've had maybe an experience, a born-again experience, they might even say. Uh, I prayed a prayer. Certainly, I'm going to heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm seeking for the final signs. Uh, I, I understand that there's going to be a great falling away. All these things. I mean, Judas witnessed miracle after miracle. Judas, how can you not believe? All, you know what? All through Scripture, God did, Jesus did so many things. God did many things. But so often, so often, yeah, people would believe. But so often, maybe many, every time, I don't know, but so often, people didn't believe after witnessing Lazarus being raised from the dead. 
What? How could you, how could you continue on uh, be, being part of uh, the, the chariots going after uh, the, the children of Israel as the, 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 the Red Sea is literally parted? How could you go on after them knowing that God is on their side? Witnessing a miracle does not mean that you're saved. Judas is a prime example. I say this, that no one can be unborn. If you're born again, you can't go out from us because you never were of us. And I say that somebody that's saying that they're deconstructing their faith and not a Christian no longer was never truly a child of God. Last verse this morning, Matthew chapter 23, or 27, verse 3. Matthew 27, verse 3. Then Judas, which had betrayed him. Who did he betray? Jesus. We think pretty poorly of Judas, don't we? We got a lot in common with him. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. And brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. If that tells us anything, that ought to tell us that repentance alone does not save a soul from hell. And that ought to be a, to use the word again, which is kind of funny, a grave thing for us. To, it's not something that we can do. It's not just, you know, Christianity isn't just good works, man. There's good works, you know. Uh, it's, not just, it's not just being faithful to God's house, man, although it's, there's so many benefits, so many benefits to being faithful to God's house. There's, there's so many benefits to, to having a right heart. Being, it's, not, it's not all about that. It's not all about claiming the God of Abraham. It's not all about those wonderful things. It's about accepting Christ as our personal Savior. Oh, oh, I, I guarantee you, Judas would have said, yeah, he, Jesus is the Savior. I witnessed miracles. M- many people will even announce, lost people that don't accept Christ as a personal Savior would say, yep, Jesus came. He's the Son of God. He came to die for the sins of all the earth. And we're all God's children is their mentality. But that is not what the Bible says. You say, well, somebody needs to tell them. Amen. Amen. Judas didn't go to hell because he betrayed Jesus. But can I say this? And I hope this really sticks with us this week. Because if that were the case, then we would all be going to hell this morning. Judas went to hell because he didn't accept Jesus as his Savior. Which is different than no other man that has ever lived past, present, or future. There's only one gospel. There's always only ever been one gospel. It's my gospel. It's our gospel. It's Paul's gospel. It's the gospel with two E's. Amen. There's nothing sadder than the story of Judas. Somebody who claims to be religious but never accepted Christ, never got eternal life. In a, in a place of misery, in a place called hell this morning. They're going to spend eternity in a lake of fire, all because they didn't accept Christ as their personal Savior. If you're not saved this morning, that ought to scare you half to death. 
And if you're saved this morning, that ought to cause us to want to go tell somebody about the love of Christ and say, hey, hey, even if you're going to church, whatever denomination it is, there's a, there's a Christ that loves you. And it's not being religious, and it's not all these things, but hey, it's accepting Christ as your personal Savior. And with that, yeah, oh yeah, will come repentance. And oh yeah, with your mouth, you're going to say, you are Lord, if you truly accept Him. All those things naturally happen. Amen. You'll, you'll say, what can I do? All of a sudden, you look in there, and you start reading, you say, oh man, I need to get baptized. I need baptism, amen. Because your heart's going to be right, you're going to have the right perspective, you're going to have the right God. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I pray that you would move in the next few moments of this invitation time. Lord, and I absolutely.